All right, all right, all right. This is Ty. Find your beast with Ty. Look like I got uh, Steve on right here. We're waiting on uh, one more. Uh, Amethyst Keaton. Steve and I are back at it again, and now we're having uh, Amethyst Keaton on here. We're going to talk about communicating change, but I will give her a chance to get on here. We want to add value. Uh, welcome. Good morning. Can you hear me, Steve? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we'll just wait on uh, Amethyst to get on here, and we'll be set, ready to go, because I think maybe she never... She never done the link before. So It's a little tricky sometimes. It takes a couple of times. Oh, yeah. That's fine. There she go. There she is. I hear her on there. I just saw her come on. All right. Well, I'm running a little, a little crazy for Cocoa Puffs because I was binge watching on Netflix last night late. You know, I got to be honest. I can't be. I can't tell you a story out there. My <laughs> listeners know I'm real. I like to be real here. So today we're going to add some value. We have. Uh, two compadres on here. We're going to talk about communicating change uh, in our next 40 minutes or so. Uh, if we go longer, uh, Amethyst is going to be driving and still communicating to us. So what we want to do today is add some value when we talk about communicating change. We have a lot of things going on in our society that's going to change up the way we do things, the way we think about things. So we want to add some value. And I brought on two guests to help me with that. Um, I'm getting a lot of background noise. Somebody's typing or something. I, I'm hearing a lot of background noise. Who's that? That's me? or? I think that might be you. Is that me? I think it, I think it might be you, my man. Oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. Well, you know, you're such a multitasking guy. I, I know. I'm not typing. Busy... I'm not typing. <laughs> I hear I hear like typing or whatever. Huh. That's your uh, that's your hacker involved trying to figure out your inside scoop. Ah. <laughs> I never heard that before. Interesting. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Well, we're gonna keep moving forward. I don't know what that is in the background, but uh Huh. Okay, what about now? All right. <laughs> can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can hear you now. I'm good. All right, so we're going to start off. Uh, Camp Amethyst is the newcomer on here. So, Steve, you and I ran our mouth quite a bit on uh, Friday. So we're going to start off with uh, Amethyst uh, with some questions. As we communicate change in our society today, what are some things that you see that can make people feel better or be able to do better as they cope with this changing environment? Well, I think in terms of communicating, especially in this changing environment, is just understanding that our environment actually has changed uh, quite a bit. So... I think that um, when we start talking about um, 
communicating with each other, I think the important thing is to be able to communicate in an honest and uh, supportive manner with one another, really kind of digging in deep and kind of talking about what this change that we're currently dealing with uh, means to each of us individually and also as a society. Are there any tools in the toolbox that maybe you can share with the audience to maybe help them mitigate some of this change to, I think just you know, really, work on a microcrasm well, level? Yeah, I think, I think it's really just kind of about um, communicating from a place of compassion, understanding that everybody is, you know, kind of bringing their own baggage in the current situation that we're dealing with, um, you know, and just kind of stepping outside of our box a little bit. And I think that that can be kind of difficult for, for people to do. Everybody kind of has their own perspective on things and um, it can be very difficult to step outside of that perspective and, and really be able to um, understand where, where somebody else is coming from. But I think, you know, again, um, kind of comes back to, you know, walk, walk a mile in another person's shoes. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, we need to do a little bit more of that as a society and, as we per- proceed on, you know, we become more politically correct as a society. And I think that part of the challenge with that can be is that we're not necessarily communicating as honestly as, as we need to be, you know, just because we can't, um, you know, just because we all don't have the prettiest of words all of the time doesn't mean that um, you can't engage in some fruitful dialogue with one another. You know, sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade. All right. All right. Well, as we go down that, you know, that that truth there, that politically correct, Steve, give me some insight about being politically correct. You know, I don't believe in politically correct. I believe in just being real. But Steve, help us out on that politically correct. What do you think about that? I think it's just a way to control the narrative. I think it's just a way to control um, how people think. I, I think it takes away the free flow of thought. I am with this brought up a great point. Not everybody knows has the correct verbiage or has that the ideal world uh, word to to describe or to make their point. And I think it takes away from the creativity of of what we're all born to do. This country was not built on being politically correct. It was not built on you know somebody else doing the job. It was built on ingenuity. It was built on people taking risks. It was built on doing what, pursuing their own happiness. It, it wasn't built under a controlled uh, environment. Uh, and if we, if it would have been built that way, we would not be where we are today. I think the struggle today is that people haven't accepted necessarily our situation and okay, now how can I do something with this? They're fighting to go back to what we were before. Mm-hmm. So being politi- being politically correct People are, are are shedding the skin of being politically correct now, uh, but in the end, I think it stifles ingenuity. I think it stifles creativity, and then, uh, like you said, being honest and don't believing in that, I think it takes the pioneers to to attack it that way. That's a great point. I think that uh, as we move forward about this compassion, thinking about others, coming outside of our uh, own little containers that we put ourselves in because we allow society to dictate how we operate. What are some ways uh, that we can actually move forward and develop 
better thinking to help others in our changing environment now? Who wants to take that? I'll let little sis take it. <laughs> All right. There you go. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, so what are, can you reframe that question a little bit for me? Um, well, as we in this changing environment, what are some, what are some things that we could do as a society to kind of start linking up and helping each other versus about me, 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 me? Well, I'm, Give us some ideas. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big supporter of the idea, and I I do practice daily uh, meditation because I think that okay. meditating is a really great way to to learn to be a bit more present. You know, not just with yourself, but also I think when you're engaging in conversation with other people, you know that that ability to kind of take that mental pause and, and be able to really sit back and, and listen and hear uh, where somebody else is coming from, I, I think is huge. There's, uh, you know, the thought process where some people listen to respond. Um, and, you know, it's just basically not really listening, you're just waiting for the other person to get done saying whatever it is that they have to say, so you can respond to it. So instead of actually being present and, and hearing and, and listening and really being there with that person, you know, it's just, um, you see a lot of people where they just, they can't wait to just jump in and, and, and respond however they're going to respond and, and maybe don't have a thorough understanding of where the, that other person is coming from. So I think that that's really important is that ability, again, to, to take that mental pause because I think as a society, and it really, I think what you're seeing right now is, uh, definitely people being forced to take that pause you know now whether or not people are actually utilizing the time to try and take that pause or if they're spending a lot of time uh binge watching netflix <laughs> hey hey my bit our binge watching is in the evening after we've done, done our exercises yes. we need to wind down and disconnect now let me make a caveat to that. That binge watching in the evening is good for you because you need to disconnect because remember, I'm giving a lot out there to the world. So as we give, you know, so much of your energy to the world, sometimes sure. it's best to just be in your own little space sometimes. Absolutely. I Well, you knew, you knew, you knew I was going to have to tease you. Well, that's okay. But at least I told the truth. I told the truth. I was running a little, running a little late this morning. Um, but but as we go ahead. But it's great. It's great to be in that present moment, as a lot of people want to respond back, but they're not really listening. Deep thought. Uh, I think uh, sometimes as we think about that and we move forward in our lives, sometimes being present in the moment, sometimes you don't have to respond. Exactly. I think <laughs> you don't have to respond. There's really sometimes it's not a response needed. Steve, what do you think about that? Help us out. Well, this is a deep thought question to me, how I've approached it since this whole thing has started. So I'm, I'm a little different in how I view it. So I, okay. there's, there's a percentage of the population that will always do what they're told to do. 
and they won't have a carefree thought. Is that you, then Steve? Another... Is that you, Steve? No, that's not Okay, me. okay, I thought no, so. No, that's not I me. want y'all that's to know me. that Steve ain't going to – Steve is going to bend the rules, okay, just to let I'm you gonna, guys – I'm going to – There you go. I try to bend them all the time. I get yelled at by, by Jody. <laughs> Steve is going to bend the rules. There you go. So – Me and Steve what, what, both. <laughs> there's a – there's an opportunity here that I think a lot of people, and I see it on TV, have missed the boat entirely on. <laughs> I always talk about this. If there was ever a chance to make a change, uh-huh. now is the best time to make the change. I mean, if you think of change in a way of how you think, how you approach your life, what you're going to do for a job, a career, business, whatever it is you're doing. But whenever you make a change, it seems like you're fighting the entire world or, the, I guess, you're, where you live. Because not everybody's in the same boat with you. So it's really tough to make a change. Now, do you throw them off the boat? Or what are you doing? No. Okay. Right. No, no, no. You, you still make decisions for yourself. But I'm just saying, if, if let's say there's no coronavirus. Okay. Let's say we're all doing this thing happily, you know. And let's say, and I've done this before. It's why I know it's tough. You bring up an idea that counters what's currently the status quo is doing, right? Everybody in the room looks like you, looks like you like you're from Mars. There's no way that'll work. We have everything going on right now. There's no reason to make a change, blah blah. But you get every excuse thrown at you. Uh-huh. So now you have this occurrence, and everybody is pretty much in the same boat. Uh-huh. But guess what we're doing right now? We're changing. Well, because we don't have a choice. Well, change right? is going. Yeah, I, I always tell people anyway. I think change is going to happen regardless if you change or not. I mean, we're going to constantly well, will, have but, different yeah. environments. This is a much rapid rate of change. So oh, when yeah. I look this at fast. much fast. So when I look at everybody else, I look at this world, look at how we're fitting in. If you're going to make a change, this is the best time to do it. You have no competition, little like if none. It. You got people binge watching the news all day, living and dying by this, this virus on the news, by the way. During the day, I'm not talking about time. During the day, I mean, you have your your people married to their TV all day long, which is fine. You have tons of those. Those guys are just sheep anyway. But the people, and I brought this up before, the wealthy are going to get super wealthy out of this, even more than they've ever been. Uh, the people that That's are right. kind of wealthy are going to continue getting wealthier, and the people that are poor are going to remain poor. They they don't recognize, and it's no fault on them. I, you talk about how do you how do you connect with that. You you embrace it. You you help them get to the acceptance piece. You uh, you support them. You you be a mentor to them, and you create this support network together to know that hey, we're not alone. We've got other people like us, and it, we we're going to get through this together. And slowly but surely, one by one, the light bulb goes on, and they all start to pick up on their own tempo, and they start to figure it out on their own. They start to they start to give back to the group, and they start to make things better because now they know. They can do that. Um, I'll equate it to this. Many, many years ago, mm-hmm. I was married, a long time ago. My uh, my brother-in-law and his wife, they went to a birthday. They were doing a birthday celebration. She knew she couldn't buy the cake. She knew she couldn't afford the cake. She has opportunities to make this elaborate cake, knowing from the okay. beginning she was never going to pay for it. So the only way she could get out of paying for it was to make a big scene at the baker and then get the f- cake for free, which is exactly what she did. So she gets to the birthday party. We're having cake, and we all say, "Hey, man, this is really cake. How much was this cake?" Uh huh. Well, it's free. You're like, "What do you mean free?" Oh, it's free. I didn't pay for this. I got it for free. Mike. So then I'm like, "How did you get that cake for free?" She goes, "Let me tell you how I did it." And she was proud. She goes, 
Well, I knew I couldn't afford it. So I made this elaborate cake up. They did an awesome job. And all I could do was scream, yell, and bitch at them because their take, it wasn't what I expected. And I, and they better give it to me for free. So to avoid huh. the situation getting worse, they gave it to me for free. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And she was proud of that. So I guess a little attitude There's a lot changes of... up and gives it to them for free. I like that. Okay. Well, but that's what a lot of people think. I think though. what's interesting about mm-hmm. about your point on that, though, too, and, and this kind of goes into some things that I've definitely, I think, have seen in our society. In terms of communication, it seems like the the basically the smaller minority in terms of, and when I say the smaller minority is is the people of society that do the most amount of complaining and moaning and groaning and so on and so forth just seem to continue to get a larger and larger platform to make a bigger, uh, a bigger and bigger scene, which I find very interesting in our society that, you know, there's the smaller percentage of people whole cake situation, I think demonstrates that perfectly. If I just make a big enough Mm -hmm. stink, you know, basically what happens is in our society, instead of how can I say this uh, appropriately, (laughs) I think instead of, you know, somebody actually checking somebody when they're behaving like that, uh, we just say, mm-hmm. well, just ignore it. it. It's a pink elephant. We'll just continue to ignore it. We're not really going to say anything. We're not really going to do anything about it because really we just want the whole thing to just go away. And that's a very right. big challenge, I think, when when we're talking about communication, because, again, you know, you come back to. When you're giving people those larger and larger platforms to complain and whine and moan and groan and so on and so forth with no real rebuttal to it, you know, what does that really kind of say about the rest of us? I think it's, you know, this kind of leads into the whole, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll borrow, borrow a term from uh, somebody uh, that I'd spoken with a long time ago in that sort of passive hostile or we're living in more of a passive hostile world. Oh, totally. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, um, we see things and a lot of times you, you don't want to feel like you're the snitch or you don't want to feel as though that you're, you know, you're being like an old curmungy, curmungeon, you know, grandma or mm-hmm. grandpa and talking like your grandparents or what. But, you know, a lot of that we actually need it because I know I was I was I was a bad butt. So my thing is, is that. I feel as though that sometimes you need that correction and some of our society needs to be called out on some of those behaviors and we need to talk about those things. It's like, you know, people say, well, you can't talk about that because it's, it's not politically correct. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, you can't talk about religion. You can't talk about this. I'm like, well, what are we supposed to talk about it? I mean, when are you going to have those conversations? Nobody going to know nothing because nobody ever is talking about it. Everybody put it on the back burner. Whereas I think we need to go back to that bold society like we used to have, you know, like back when, you know, John Hancock and the founding fathers and they were bold. Uh, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, we allow the Congress to make laws that benefit them where it's actually against the mm-hmm. law. You know, like the 28th Amendment, it actually says that they can't make laws that benefit them only. <laughs> but we allow them to do this day in and day out. I think we need to speak up as a 
as a society and not allow this to happen where their retirement plans are better than our retirement plans. <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to work. That doesn't, and they weren't supposed to be there for a hundred years, you know, in office. It was supposed to be like, okay, you do your, you serve your people. And I think that's what we need to go back to serving people and kind of like what, uh, you know, it's kind of like that drama. I think people love drama versus solutions. So if any of the group out there want to, what are some, some solutions that we can do to kind of talk about these difficult conversations to make changes in our society? Anybody want to tackle that one? So I think what we really have to start talking about as a society is that understanding that all of us as human beings come from, we have a commonality in terms of fear. So as human beings, you know, I, and again, when I, when I talk about being able to, to be, to sit down and be able to have conversations, I think that we can all agree that we're not, always going to agree right so that's correct but i think the thing is is the ability again to be present and to listen to somebody so that you can engage in, in some kind of civil discourse but the one thing that we we definitely all have in common that we have to kind of understand is that we 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 have a lot of fear in our society you know what i mean whether it's you know driven by um our stereotypes of others or driven by what we're reading in terms of clickbait news media um, what we're watching in terms of programs. And I think really just being able to sit down and having, have, um, having those face-to-face conversations, I think is, is huge. Um, and I don't think that we're doing enough of it as a society. It's, uh, you know, the Facebook, uh, click on, click on the like, you know what I mean? It's not a real dialogue going back and forth. And so I think once we can sit down and say, you know what, I'm scared. What about you? All right. I'm scared too. Okay, and then uh-huh. and then you have that place that you can kind of come from, where it allows you to continue to move that conversation forward, understanding where what we have in common, and then moving forward from that. Okay, I like that. So it's okay to kind of tell people that you're a hot mess, absolutely, and that we don't understand the unknown. That's the reason why most people don't change. Is because it's a fear of the unknown. Yes. Um, and our biggest fear is criticism. Yes. You know, we're afraid that we have to say things a specific way or we're going to be criticized. Steve, as we lead down that road of criticism, what, what do you think were some of your greatest uh, criticism sometimes that maybe held you back? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> well, well, just give us one because then I'm gonna add to it. So just give us one. How about that? <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> when I was uh, a young airman growing up, I'm still young and I'm still growing up. But when I was younger, growing up, uh, I was told because of my status in the organization, I wasn't going to go anywhere because I wouldn't be good enough. I wouldn't be proficient enough at my job to 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 elevate myself to a point of where I wanted to go. Um, I came from a business point of view. I didn't come from that point of view. I also came from a point of view of being unconditional. Okay. So if I see somebody that shows me 
skills, desire, uh, ambition, intent, but just needs to be guided, I can work with that. But if I've got a guy who who thinks he's entitled to something because he's been there, done that, I'm not I'm not about that. Now it doesn't mean I won't reward him, but it's it's just a matter of perspective. Uh, being told no your whole life and being told you're not good enough. You know, I don't know if you guys ever watched the the last stand last night with Michael Jordan and uh, the Bulls back in the, the, their last stand as a team together. They go back in history several times and talking about how he wasn't good enough, how people always would criticize him, and it, and it drove him to be to be better. And so, talking to my dad and myself growing up, I see a guy or a younger person driving a much nicer car going to a much nicer house than than what we had. It wasn't that I was jealous of the car or jealous of the house. The question I had to my dad was, okay, I know where we live, but how do they live there? What are they doing differently that we aren't doing? So I looked at it as an information gap. Now, they may be, we may be happy where we're at. They might be happy where they're at. But that wasn't my, my, that wasn't my curiosity. My curiosity is what do they know that we don't know? Obviously, I have an information mm-hmm. gap, right? And, and I think I take that same approach at Gallon Field. There's, it isn't that I'm not good enough or you're not good enough or Amethyst is not good enough. There may be just an information gap. There may be some things that we don't know that the other person does that provides that elevation to the next level. I don't think that anymore right now because of how I've seen things unfold. But when I was growing up, and it, it was very much like that. If you weren't the next man up, you weren't even thought of as a consideration. You had to fight your way into that conversation. So I spent the last 25, 26 years of my life fighting like crazy, doing everything in my control that I had control of to say, you can't use that against me. You can't use that against me. You can't do that against me. I mean, just over and over again to the point where I had to shove myself in that conversation mm-hmm. just to have a chance because I wasn't the pseudo next guy. Because, up, if you know because I mean. a lot of times, I mean, isn't it? I mean, uh, the problem is, is the reason why somebody tells you they're not good enough because they think – that it makes them feel better because a lot of times we don't even lift our own selves up or say something good to ourselves in the mirror. I think I was listening to uh, Dr. Northrop, uh, Kristen Northrop on uh, Super Soul Sunday yesterday. See, I was not Netflix (laughs) and I was actually healing my mind yesterday. And she said that what the reason why people feel as though that they have these milestone ages is because we're 50 or we're 40 or we're 30 or whatever these milestone ages is because we, we allow society to dictate an age versus being yeah. ageless. It's the way we act. It's kind of like I always say uh, sometimes in a class that I'm just a millennial with gray hair. I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not old. And I and I see my mother in law, she does it quite quite well. She's ninety years old and she goes to nursing homes and she says, Wow, I wonder what it's gonna be like when I get old. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't believe that she's old. She's ninety years old. And I see her spirit yeah. is playful, having a good time. It's kinda mm-hmm. like what my wife always says that she thinks she married her mom. Because I'm just as crazy as her, I guess. But I think her mom, I think her mom got me beat. Um, I think, I think she got me beat. I think she's more crazy than me. But uh, anyway, so uh, you guys probably like, no, I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
as we look at that, I think that we have to change our attitude about allowing, you can allow that to fuel you like you did and say, I'm getting in there. Mm -hmm. I don't care if the world tells me that I'm not enough or you're not good enough Mm -hmm. to go any further in your life. Because as many times we've been knocked down and as we've been knocked down, Tell us a little bit more about that, Keaton. What do you think about being knocked down when they just beat you up? <laughs> you know, they just punch you in the face. They just give you a couple punches and you just got to get well, up. Well, the bottom line is, is if you, and I kind of always, I guess, relate it to this. If you get knocked down and you're face down, right? You're, your face is in the mm-hmm. mud. There's only one thing to do. Mm-hmm. You turn over and you look up. There's always a light. You know what I mean? But it's just a matter of can can you give yourself enough of, can can you motivate yourself to turn back over and look look up? You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what it comes down to because life is going to knock you down. I mean, that, that is a, that is guaranteed. You know, many, many times it will knock you down, but you alone as, as a person have the decision to make as to whether you're going to get get back on that horse and keep riding you know and I think that that's that's a really important um, thing to take into consideration so I I go back to in terms of criticism right you know words words Mm -hmm. have as much power number one fair what's that number one fair yeah words have power you know but words only have as Mm -hmm. much power as you assign to them you know what I mean and so that's true I think that that's really important to acknowledge. I mean, you can take whatever words somebody gives to you and you can internalize them and mull them over and, and basically assume the identity of whatever those words are, or you decide to not do that, you know? And so I think that that's definitely um, really important in terms of criticism, you know, you, utilizing you can use criticism as an opportunity to fuel yourself like steve and like yourself you know um or you take it and you internalize it and and you and you become that mirror for those words i like it i can say this with i can say this without lose confidence i learned to be i was introduced to a very competitive world when i was really really young okay I can say that if if I had not been introduced to that world and been able to prepare myself for what I had gone through, I would not be on this this, uh, podcast with you both right now because it was very difficult. It almost made you want to quit. I mean, to the point of acknowledging me, imagine going to work every day for 13 years, being told you're not good enough. And watching people around you get the nod above you when you were better than they were, but because you weren't in the in the status quo, if you will, you were not considered uh, for any kind of accolade or any kind of uh, an advancement. So as your peers are going past you and they're getting past you and, and keep growing and you're staying stagnant and you're being told you're not good enough for 13 years, mm-hmm. that wears on you. So if it wasn't for my internal drive, and being able to take opportunities and knocking them out of the park based on what I wanted to do, I I, I can say with confidence that I wouldn't be on this podcast with both of you right. people right now. I like that because I think, you know, there's, there's powerful, you know, quotes and poems out there. You know, I talked to, you know, Invictus has always come to, you know, I think Oprah talked about that. That kind of inspired her when they told her she wasn't good enough. 
and Steve, you said you weren't good enough. You got to sometimes become the, you know, the, you got to become the master of your life and, and the captain of your ship so that you can actually move forward. And, and you, you had to take over because there's plenty of times I wanted to quit. I think, I think, I think mm-hmm. I got at least, uh, three, four episodes of quitting on and quitting the military. But then I had to look at what the big picture was. Uh, what am I truly here to do? Am I going to allow someone else to dictate my destiny? And I think that's where we have to like take a snapshot. That, now, who is this hurting? If I quit, it doesn't hurt them. It hurts me. It hurts me. And, and that's kind of like, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I tell uh, Keaton there. I tell her. I said, you know, Amethyst. I said, hey, you know, we do that. <laughs> you know, you guys got to wave at them and look at them as, you know, hey, hey, they ain't stopping me. They can't stop me doing for what I got to do here. And I think that's one thing you have to do. You have to not allow that to beat you down because, as you said, you got to just turn over. Yes. When you get knocked down, so you can look up, and then get your butt up. Uh, so as we, mm-hmm. we go through that, that change is going to keep making differences in our lives. So as we talk about change, as we, we settle on the word change, why is it so difficult for people to actually continue to change? What happens? What, what stops us from changing? Want to take that on, Amethyst? That's that uh that calculated pause I was talking about. <laughs> okay. That's okay. That's okay. So what what causes us to not change? Yeah, well, you know, you feel stuck. You got that stuck. I moment. think I think sometimes, you know, so I kind of go, I have a, a little saying where I, I talk about complacency is kind of the opiate of the people. And it really it really okay. can be at times, you know, we're comfortable <laughs> and that's party part. That can be part of the problem is just being. So you say addicted to people. Is that what you're trying to tell the What's audience? That? The opiate of the people. You said the opiate of the people. Com- complacency the... can be the opiate of the people, you know, and it can keep us in this okay. sort of place of it, it just, it, it's comfortable. Even if it's not comfortable, okay. sometimes it's, uh, you know, better, but, but how do they say it? The better the evil that you know than the one that you don't or. Wow. I like that. And I I think that 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 can be part, part of the challenge, you know, and because you say, I I think there's, there's another saying out there too, where they talk about, it's like 30 days uh, for basically anybody to formulate a habit. Right. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, I think the thing is, is that that can be part of the challenge is, Sometimes you just have to start small when you're talking about change, you know, start with something small that you want to change and use that to build bigger and bigger blocks for greater and greater change. But you have to take that first step, you know, and I think that can be part of the challenge for people because, well, I know this, it's comfortable. It's the same routine. I've had the same routine for so many years uh, or so many months or whatever the case might be. It's, It's a comfortable spot to be in. But the thing about it is that as comfortable as though it may be, the world around you is rapidly changing all of the time. Now, this latest uh, situation with this pandemic is, you know, 
um, pretty much the grand scale of that. But the world is always changing around you and you're either going to change and adapt with it or it's going to run you over. And I think that that's the whole thing. And I mean, so. That's a great point. And I, and I think that uh, some people adapt very well to this situations because they, they rather stay home and be away from the minutia of the craziness and the drama of their work environment. And whereas now they got more peace at home. Yes. Steve, what do you think about Steve, what do you think? Well, I, well, yeah, let me finish up with Amethyst here. So what, do you, what things are you seeing different as the way you work now? I would definitely say the thing that I appreciate about uh, being able to work from home is that you know, the, the good aspect about it is, is that your day is kind of structured differently. And I think it's, it starts to be much more focused on how and, and what you're performing. Right. So example, you know, you outline your day and you have X, Y, Z tasks to accomplish. I think that you're much more able to, or I know I'm much more able to, you know, focus on getting those tasks accomplished and then having some control over the level of interruption. Because I think that can be a real big challenge for people in the workplace is that really, if you if you look at it, and, and I've shared this with a few other people, in all honesty, you're probably getting about five hours of productivity uh, out of any one individual at, in, a, in a work environment, okay. right? Because you have the natural mm-hmm. ebb and flow of the day with, you know, bathroom breaks and lunch breaks. We'll just start with that, right? And then people coming by to chat or there's different meetings that you have to attend. Um, and I think this really starts to m- really kind of hone in and focus on minimizing some of those aspects, which can be really good. And, you know, not only that, I think you're, you also don't have the sort of everyday human drama that you're having to, to deal with whenever you are in a work environment, because there's going to be some of that. I have to still deal with some of that working from home, but it's not as immediate as it, as it can be when you're in the actual work environment. So. Well, do you, do you think sometimes that actually diminishes our conflict management techniques and the way we deal with people by that lack of interaction? Yeah. And that, and that is where it's a double-edged sword, right? So when you're in the work environment, yeah. the bottom line is whether you're in the work environment or whether you're just out and about in, in everyday society, right? You're, there's always going to be those, yep. those, how would you say, to some extent, those petty human dramas and those conflicts that sort of come up. And I think being mm-hmm. able to deal with those situations and, and again, being able to deal with them as much as possible from a place of compassion or a place of understanding, I think that it's important to hone those skills because the bottom line is, is this is a, this is a temporary pause and we will be getting back to a more, how would you say more of the new normal in our society. And those things will be a kind of a constant part of our society. So you can't, you know, as nice as it could be, and even for myself being somewhat of an introvert, um, it can be nice to live under okay. a rock. It's comfortable. <laughs> uh, you like it's it. You like it. You like being under that rock. Actually, yeah. 
it actually make you a better person because it's what you know and, and it's mm-hmm. what you're comfortable with. No, I don't necessarily believe so. So now, now, Steve, as we, we keep, I keep hearing about this new normal. But what is normal, Steve? I don't have no normal, so I don't. I, I guess I don't really believe in that 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 thing. But Steve, tell us what is the normal? What is normal? I guess I don't. I think it's what. It's, I think it's what every man and woman that goes to work every day, whether it's retail or it's going to school or whatever your job is, it, that repeats uh-huh. itself over and over and over. Uh, you guys already talked about it. It's, it's the routine. Uh-huh. It's the daily routine that you're used to that you can, that you can count on to be in there. That's, that's normal. That's, and whatever yours is, is normal for you. It doesn't, it, it, yours is not going to be the same uh-huh. as a teacher. And it's not going to be the same as somebody that works in a military base. It's just whatever your routine is that you do, that you, your walk of life. I wrote, when I wrote the, my little book uh-huh. called the why, what's your purpose? Uh, what's, what's your why? I brought that. I, I, I talk about that. I talk about the mundane, the yesteryear peace of mind that my dad grew up in was you worked at a company for so many years. You got really good at what you did. You saved up for retirement. You had the divert comp plan. You went home and you lived early ever after retirement. That was the dream. So, yeah. So that, that was the routine. You went to work, you went home, you did your thing on weekends. You went back to work Uh and you came up, went to work Monday through Friday. You got the weekend and you went back to work Monday and Friday done. That was the routine. This whole thing has completely erupted all of that. Um, I don't have a routine. Um, I have some things that I like to do every day, uh, but my routine is not the same. Yeah, uh, it, and that's on either. purpose. I'm a hot I take, mess. Uh, I, I, I'm a very hot mess, but I also look at Warren. I, I like, I like Warren Buffett's style. I've been studying him like I have Trump mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I like Warren Buffett's style. I just like how Trump attacks it. Uh, uh, Warren Buffett is kind of the silent assassin. You don't know he's coming until he shows up and you know he's uh-huh. there. And they're like, oh, shit, Warren Buffett's here. Uh, Quiet storm. Uh, uh, Trump is kind of like, yeah. Trump is like, I'm in your face kind of a deal. And he's out oh, there. Yeah. So you know he's coming. So, uh, but for me, you talk about the, it, it's it's the ask. It's it's the why. It's how big is your thinking? I shared this with you the other day. So, I want I wanna earn a certain dollar amount every month and I think that would make my cat meow go crazy. I'd be happy as hell. Right on. Woohoo. Okay, we did it. But what you don't realize is when you get there, yep. you think this is You'd it. Be like, why didn't I ask for more? Maybe I should have stretched myself. Yeah, maybe I should have stretched myself. So it isn't I have a very, very big ask. It's a huge uh-huh. ask. It's a huge one. I don't know that I'll ever get there. But if I don't make it, I will know one thing. It'll change my life forever, no matter what mm-hmm. I, what, however I get there. But the military, working a job, ha- having a business, those are all vehicles to get you where you ultimately want to go. It's how you use the vehicle to get there. So being that's able to utilize and being able to navigate, and as we talk about our purpose, that's the reason why I feel as though each one of us have unique abilities unique talents that we're giving to us and we're here to use them i feel as though i think i just talked to a podcast earlier on saturday with mark uh waspy uh we talked about you know purpose and and i feel as though that the world has you 
And I think when we start believing that, that's what the Uh why means. The world has you. And I came up with that acronym because I I feel as though that when you kind of believe that the world has me, that means I have something to give. That means I don't want to die with all of these gifts inside of me. And I think that's the reason why I don't feel as though that there's a new norm, because how many of us would have thought 30 years ago that we were able to do a podcast, not even see each other, but be able to have everybody, you know, talking on the podcast. Uh, I'm doing it for my cell phone. I'm not even doing it for my iPad this time. Whereas people can still be mobile. I've done podcasts in a car, so I don't really feel as though they're really not normal. We can always create it something and make it better than what it is. But think think about this. Everything that we've done up to this virus has been under some form of control, whether it's state control or federal control. This virus has interrupted all of that control, which is what they're trying to regain Mm -hmm. control, and it's not working out very well. So when we get back to some kind of a normalcy, you'll start to understand the oh, yeah. school system is going to change. The tele, the, the healthcare industry is going to change profoundly. Uh, it is going to change across the board. Even shopping is going to That's change. Correct. It was already changing. It's going to change even profoundly now. The Just everyday things are going to change immensely. I would even argue this. The home that we all see as a home is going to change as well because now we have to adapt our home to something that we never had to adapt to it before. So you're going to see a lot of stuff happen over time. Now we're in a lag. We're in a oh, definite yeah. lag. Real estate especially. It's in a lag. And when it, and when, when this lag is over, everything that we know as of today is going to be modified. Either you participate like Amethyst said or you don't. So you got to be part of the you got to be part of the solution. Versus being part of the problem. So being able to adapt, being able to shift, mm-hmm. being able to navigate and not say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, kind of like the whoa, 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 whoa. I call it the whoa is me effect. <laughs> you know, it's whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. I got this going on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know what? Release that from your thinking and move forward to something new. So. Okay. And check this out. This is a so you go to a gathering. Let's say we do some big big, big banquet, you do a family reunion or uh-huh. you do a social gathering of some sorts. You you watch people that have taken advantage of this and the ones that have it. And That's the right. ones that have it are going to have their head turned around because they had no idea that they missed out on some awesome opportunities and now they're late well, to the game. You watch the that will happen. I mean, I think uh you're always going to have the people that's that's going to t- utilize any storm and see the rainbow on the other side. I think that, that, that's just normal. I mean, you, you're only going to yes. have 5% that's actually really going to take advantage of this. I mean, that's proven studies. They, they actually say you can take 100 people at age 25, and then by the time they're 54, 54% going to be broke. I mean, I mean that's actually sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what happened to the rest of them? You know, why, why all of a sudden? Because I think we get complacent. So that's why this communicating change is so important. Amethyst, why do you think sometimes people get complacent in what 
you know, in our society? What, you know, what's this complacency disease that's happening all the time? I think it kind of comes down to the fact that there's a lot of people living their life in a box. And when I say that, I mean, you think about the phone and you think about the television, mm-hmm. you think about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gaming systems, you think about all of those things that are sort of like life distractors that basically if I'm focused on all of these other things, these distractors in my life, I don't really have to sit down and reflect uh, on myself as a person and because if people if people were were, you know engaged in self-reflection I think that not to say that the changes or making changes would be easy but it would be very it's a very difficult thing to not self-reflect or it's a very different difficult thing to self-reflect and then say well I'm still not going to change anything you know, and, and so I think that's the whole thing is, is in our society, you know, we just have all of these things that we can focus on outside of ourselves without actually, again, coming back to ourselves and, and really kind of taking a good, long, hard look in the mirror and really being willing to do some of that inner work to, to make those changes in our life. So I, I think that that just presents a huge challenge for a lot of people. Well, statistically, only 3% actually suffer flood, so the percentage is very low. I think that it's interesting if there's really only 3% of the world that self-reflects, because at some point, you have to spend some amount of time alone with yourself, and, you know, the whole aspect of that only 3% self-reflect seems almost an impossible figure. Because if you do, I mean, again, if you spend any time alone in thought, I mean, there's some level of self-reflection that must be going on. It's whether or not you're going to do anything with it. Yeah, but a lot of times, that's right. But a lot of times it go right back to the distraction that you're yes. alluding to. And they go right back to that. They say, well, forget that, man. I'm going to go to my phone and get on Facebook and do whatever they need to do. Yes. And I, and I think that that's a, that's a big part of the problem right there is um, too many things external. We have more, I mean, you think about how much stimulus we have in the society when we talk or stimuli that we have in our society um, as a whole, you know, whether it's the reminders on your phone or ding from social media or, you know, you know, kids, uh, social activities, all these things that we're constantly doing. Human beings, I mean, just aren't really being, you know, human anymore. We're just doing and doing and doing and doing. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, are you a human being or are you a human doing? I said, I like the human being versus the human doing. Well, I know we're going to sum it up here real quick. Uh, Steve, you got any thoughts on that before I sum it out? Well, I would say this. You go outside of your house and look around your neighborhood, look at everybody else, and you start to feel better that you're okay. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're fitting in. Challenge for you both, and I do it all the time, is go to a neighborhood more affluent than yours and then ask yourself, how do you feel now? Uh-huh. And that's where America is at. As long uh-huh. as you live in a neighborhood that makes you feel good about where you're at, you, you have no reason to, 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 to go better. When you get out of that world and you go to a world that does not agree with you, that 
maybe more affluent or or has done some things that you haven't done, then you start to figure out what's wrong with me. What do I don't know? So I think if we stay in our neighborhoods long enough, okay. you talk about complacency. I think that helps a lot because you're okay. You're 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 fitting in. You're okay. Mm-hmm. But if you go somewhere else that you don't fit in, so you have to changes. So you have to learn. It kind of changes your perspective a little bit. Success is actually being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, when we when we feel too comfortable right. in what we're doing, you're not growing and you're not changing anymore. And you're gonna be like, "Hey, I'm good, man. I'm at the top of the food chain. I'm good. I I, I feel comfortable. I feel you know mm-hmm. soulless where I'm at. I feel peaceful. I don't feel as though I, I'm being challenged anymore. But we don't realize that stifles our true value. I remember playing softball, softball team. We go to a tournament uh-huh. here locally, and our team was pretty good. We had everything we needed to do. We uh-huh. we get to the field. We're practicing. We're feeling all right about ourselves. You're ready for the game. The other team shows up. They've got team uniforms. They've got team bags. They've got the same stupid sh- uh, shoes. Everything was – you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and you slowly yeah, realize but, 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 we're but, about but, to get our ass but handed really, to us. But really, going to get your butts handed to you. It was based on the way they, they, they came – sometimes I think it scares people when we come – when someone's dressed really sharp and we are already like, uh-oh, man, I look like a hot mess. Yeah. But sometimes we still forget that our abilities and our gifts uh-huh. got us here. You know, so we have to remember. Oh yeah, yeah. It scares you. It scares you when someone is starving. You're like, man, I'm in some. Man, I look raggly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, man? You're, you're, you're afraid. What the hell have I got myself? I, don't, I know into. Keaton probably <laughs> never felt like that. Keaton gonna do what Keaton does. Uh, so, so Keaton, tell us how to overcome that when you get that picture yep. in your head, the craziness. What do you mean in terms of the craziness? You know, are you thinking that, you know, this person came in, they're looking sharp, they're looking, and may, maybe I'm a little hot mess going on here. I'm not that sharp right there. They kind of, woof. I really do try not to use other people as a measuring stick for how to conduct myself or live my own life. Good. Um, so I think that that's kind of an important thing to to kind of look at. And then, you know, I think also, oh, too, and for my for my end of things, I do apologize. I have to wrap it up. But I think I'll leave uh-huh. you with yeah. this. I think in order to, you know, move forward in your life and be able to work on change, you have to start with the internal. Make sure that the internal okay. foundation is good, and then you can start to focus externally. Because if the internal is not all right, you're basically trying to build things on a crap foundation, which is okay. not the best way to go about business or building a house of any kind, yeah. for that matter. I like that. So, and I'm gonna close this out. I'm gonna close this out and get Keaton off of here. And uh, so the the thing is, is that what I want us to do is uh, take this change and be able to understand ourselves in the action plan. I have a lot of notes here that I took. Uh, if you get knocked down, then turn over and look up for something in the rainbow. And then also, as Steve talked about, you know, he talked about, you know, that for years he was being put down. He's not going to do nothing. He's not going to be nothing. 
So what we have to do is accept both the compliments and the criticism because it's going to take both the sun and the rain for a flower to grow. And that's going to help us grow because as we take those compliments and the criticism, we're going to be fertilized, kind of like Steve Harvey says, we're going to be fertilized when we're being put into the dirt like a seed. We have to have the dirt put on top of us. And that's going to help us get new results to be watered, even with the, even with the, the, negative, the negative criticism, kind of like what Steve said. He used that to fuel himself. So, audience, I want us to take some of these notes and accept both the compliments and the criticism so that we can see both sides and learn from the criticisms and the compliments. Anything else, Steve, you want to add before I close it out? All right. Thanks again for another successful podcast. And hope that everyone got some value add. And until the next time, I'll bring the crew back on again. And we'll probably uh, maybe do a change segment, too, to add to some of these things about criticism, commonality, uh, face-to-face, uh, thinking about others, being politically correct. I'm sure we can have plenty of other topics to talk about. Well, thanks again, Steve. Thanks, Hamantis, for helping us out mm-hmm. also. And I appreciate everybody and much love. Enjoy your life and remember, change is good. Much love, babe.